glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so that you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. So what happens when you fail at a company? In today's Clark Rageous Moment, you'll hear about a former CEO who's getting $80 million to go away. Amazing. And coming up yet later, there are some changes in how you get television and internet that I want to make sure you're aware of so that in an environment that's changing very quickly, you're getting the best deal for your home and if you're a business owner, for your small business. I want to talk right now about uh, changes going on with employment in the United States. These are significant and important to you. Information on the economy that you can trust. Advice from Clark that you can use today. This is a special session of Clarkonomics. Big story in the financial world over the weekend that a big percent of big publicly traded companies are actually losing money right now. They are not making money. They are losing money. And this is at a time that the U.S. economy has been on a steady uptick for a decade. Employment numbers have steadily gotten better and better over the last 10 years. But now we are moving into, in the uh, work world, into a bit of a feast-famine cycle And I need to make sure you are alert to this and aware of it in a job rotation. And the general trend around the country is that the bigger a company is, the less likely they want you as an employee, and the more likely it is that they are, in fact, reducing headcount. Not necessarily with headline-grabbing layoffs, But as people leave on their own or retire, the positions are not being filled. So there are other companies that are doing extremely well right now. And generally, the smaller the company, the more local or regional, and the more likely it is that they have nothing to do with trading with other countries, selling what they make somewhere else the more likely that company is to be doing well, need workers, and essentially be out there bidding for workers. And I've talked from time to time about cities and areas that compete for workers, and this is really an interesting item. Topeka, Kansas, is so short of workers for a lot of employers there that they are offering incentives of up to $15,000 just to get you to move. I saw an item in the Wall Street Journal about companies that are doing things that have not been done in a good while with relocation bonuses to attract new workers, that they need you here and you're there, and so they offer to pay for you to move. They may offer a guarantee that if your house doesn't sell in a certain period of time, they'll pay you for it. The kind of stuff that used to be common 15 years ago 
is now coming back with certain employers desperate for workers. And if you pay attention to this, pay attention to opportunity, there can be real advantage for you in the marketplace right now. Because we tend to be kind of creatures of habit. And we keep doing what we're doing. And we may be working somewhere where uh, we're pretty okay there, but the pay maybe isn't exactly where we feel like we should be. Because of this rotation in the corporate environment, in the work world, this is a time that there are big disparities appearing in what your skills may bring you at one company versus another, maybe even where you are right now. So you want to think outside the box, look at what opportunities are available, and in a new indication that continuing training and education through your work life cycle, which for most of us is like a 45, 50-year period, the rotation that's going on in that is significant too. Do you know there are now more women employed in the United States than men? And professions that require uh, training beyond high school, technical college, college, that those jobs are paying a meaningful amount more in the marketplace, and women now dominate in school, past high school that a lot of schools, the percent of people in them that are women versus men is topping 60% at a lot of places. So, guys, we are not taking advantage of the education and training and continuing education and training that are so important to have the best opportunities moving forward. Women, on the other hand, are very heavily taking advantage of that. And think about that. If you feel like you're not being valued enough, you're not getting enough opportunity, you feel like you're dead-ended, it may involve getting more skills, more training, more education, which does not necessarily mean a traditional college setting and a four-year degree. Cole is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cole. Hi, Clark. How's it going? Great, thank you. So speaking of somebody getting a lot of education, your wife is one of those. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, definitely no shortage in the amount of school that she's gone through and still has the left in front of her. What's she headed towards? Uh, so right now she's working full-time as a pediatric intensive care nurse, and she decided, you know, I, I want to do a little bit more and go back to medical school. So right now she's fulfilling some of her prereq classes before she takes the MCAT this spring, and then she should be on track to attend medical school in 2021. So she already has an RN? Yeah, she already has her RN. All right, so I'm going to ask a crazy question. just occurs to me instantly while we're talking. Has she considered being an NP instead of going to medical school? Yeah, uh, she considered the NP route or physician's assistant. Um, but, you know, just seeing what the doctors get to do on a day-to-day basis, she works in a hospital, um, and she just really loves, 
you know, how involved that they get to be and really loves getting into the science of it all. And I mean, more power to her. Uh, I could never do what she wants to do with uh, pediatrics and everything. So I'm fully supportive of it if that's what she wants to do. That is really great. And uh, she'll kind of remember your name for four years. I hope so. Because she will be uh, living a life of study seemingly around the clock around the year for four years. So uh, how can I be of service? Well, you know, one of the things that we've been doing to prepare for this while she's been doing her prereq classes is just, you know, trying to stockpile as much money away as we can to prepare for the gigantic medical school cost that's definitely on the horizon. So one of the things that's uh, unique about my company that I work for now is that they give a good amount of my compensation in RSUs. And we've been fortunate enough to live just off of, you know, between my salary and her salary, um, just living off of that and then pretending those RSUs don't exist. But at a certain point, I know I'm going to need to cash some of those out and pay for medical school. And that's basically what I've got them all there for. But as we're getting closer and closer over the next five years of what we're looking at in a four-year medical school program, should I look to cash these out in CDs that vest over a certain number of years, or should I just cash them out as I need, or put them in a high-yield savings account? That's just something that I'm not super sure what to do yeah, with so all of it. So they're now invested how right now, the funds? Uh, they're just restricted stock units with the company that I work for, so it's all in one single company stock. Okay, so you're going to generate tax due when you when you execute your options, when you exercise them. And Correct. so you got to be prepared for the tax, but you you need that money as you can um as you can convert those options into cash, you need that just parked because stocks are too volatile for you to use in the short window you're talking about as a way to pay for her college costs. And this is great because she'll graduate with no student loan debt or very little. I I think we'll be able to to knock it all out. That is just incredible. So I would exercise options as you're allowed. Put the money into simple savings with one of, I mean, you can't really call 1.75% high yield. But that's what the market offers right now. And you just park the money and you let it sit okay. till you need to pay tuition. Because investing, and you're talking about uh, a double whammy because the stock is in one company and you have more volatility with it. And owning stocks by themselves in the short term is very risky and the long term really smart. So... I would just park that cash, know that you're earning puny amounts on it, but the, all the money will be there when needed to pay tuition. Okay. Sounds like a plan. All right. And um, just just um, send each other nice notes by text through the days that she's studying 24 hours a day because it's a, it's a pretty serious uh, haul, you know, going to medical school. But it's, yeah, it's going to be an adventure, that's for sure. But it's exciting that she's following her dream, which is something you know I'm so into. Amber's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Amber, you have a question about booking an Airbnb property. 
Great to have yes. you here. How can I serve you with that? Hi. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I've heard you before talk about, like, oh, and the best time is to book airlines or when to book hotels, but I was wondering, is there, like, a really good time or, like, a good deal website for finding uh, deals on the home sharing website? So with Airbnb, there are no patterns specifically, except that very close to arrival dates, there will be um, savvy landlords who have not rented for a particular date and will offer deals. But you're not going to find those far out. But let's say somebody has a property that says pretty well booked, but they've got this dead period they will, in many cases, offer a discount for those specific dates. They don't want to make a habit of discounting because then people just wait around for a discount. If an Airbnb is the best thing, but you're, you want to lock something in far in advance, do exactly the strategy I recommend for hotels. There are Airbnb listings that have very generous cancellation policies up to let's see, two to four weeks out from arrival. There are others that are very strict, and when you book, you're done. If you're booking way ahead, book one that has a very favorable cancellation policy. You may end up staying with that one, and that's where you end up putting your head at night on the trip. But if later on you find something that looks like a a better deal or a more appropriate place to stay, you then have the ability to cancel. With hotels, I think it's really key that you book a place that you can cancel up till a short period before arrival because hotel prices, much more than Airbnbs, the prices will drop very close to arrival. And if you're booked in somewhere non-refundable, you lose the chance to change to something that would be a much better deal. Today's Clark Rageous moment is really hard for me as an ardent believer in capitalism, the free market, and free enterprise, and it concerns Boeing, the much-troubled aircraft manufacturer whose CEO was fired just weeks ago for having a culture that spit on the idea of safety for passengers. And the CEO, it just come out, is getting severance of somewhere between $62 million and $81 million for failing. So, I mean, where do we sign up for this? You design an unsafe aircraft. You cover up that it's unsafe. I think about one of these memos that just came out that was released by Boeing that they'd been sitting on, and one of the, tra- one of the experts at Boeing said, to another person, would you put your family on a Max simulator trained aircraft? I wouldn't. And then it goes on from there. And there's another one where they refer to people involved in designing it as clowns, the people who supervise them as monkeys. And it just goes on and on. Another, another series, how they were all laughing, how they conned the FAA into approving the plane when they knew internally that the plane was unsafe. So in America, when a normal earthling fails at a job, you get fired. You can even get fired when you haven't done anything wrong. You can get laid off and you get basically nothing. 
But if you're in the executive suite of a big publicly traded company in America, failure is rewarded and rewarded handsomely. There have been a number of rewards to failed corporate executives that have topped $100 million. And here we have a guy who, on his watch, hundreds of people died because of gross negligence by Boeing, and he's getting 62 to $80 million. This is wrong. And with all that's come out at Boeing, why is nobody being charged criminally, at least for manslaughter, in this circumstance? Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com's our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to save money each and every day. You know, there's more disruption going on right now with television than there has been except two other times. One, when TV first became popularized in the 1950s. And second, when color TV started to become a thing of significance around 1970. So it's been roughly 50 years since we've been in a period of extreme disruption like we are in right now. And I was watching one of the playoff games, NFL playoff games, this weekend, and there was a crawl that kept appearing about a dispute between the local channel and it was Dish Network. And it was about, you know, that it wasn't their fault that they were about to go dark on Dish. But there's been these disputes that are going on with local television stations, the network affiliates in particular, and the uh, carry provisions and what what they're going to get paid by the cable operator or DirecTV or Dish or whoever. And so we are just pawns in this fight between billion-dollar enterprises. So here's what you need to know. It's a great idea for you, whether you do it exclusively or just as a backup, to have an antenna that you can watch those local channels. And by the way, if you end up getting a good signal where you are, you'll realize, hey, I'm getting a much more fun picture and a lot more channel choices with this antenna that you pay no monthly fee for programming than I was ever getting from the cable monster or from DirecTV or Dish. So think about having an antenna. If you stream content, having an antenna is really great. AntennaWeb.org, which uh, again, it's a .org, AntennaWeb.org, has just come up with a revised, really easy search. And I'm looking, I put in my address, and there are 107 different local channels available to me. 107! And several of them are available with just the cheapest antenna, typically $10 I could get. But a bunch of others, well, that's not going to work at all. It's all color-coded, and I need a pretty hefty antenna to pick up all of those And they take you through, based on your specific address, the topography involved with it and all that, 
what kind of antenna you need from, again, a $10 antenna you just plug into the back of your TV to a big one that you might have to put in the attic of your home, if you have a home, in order to get a good signal. If you live in a high-rise, an antenna, because you have height, an antenna, if your condo or apartment faces towards where the um, the towers are, any old antenna will do, getting you a great local channel. Uh, there are also a number of us around the country that can use Locast, L-O-C-A-S-T dot org, which is a nonprofit for transmitting through the internet local channels. They will push you repeatedly to donate money because it operates totally on donated money. You don't have to donate money. It wouldn't be a nonprofit if they said, you must pay this or you don't get it. Although I've had people tell me that it's misleading and it looks like you have to donate money. You don't. Uh, But the turmoil continues. The most original TV shows, or whatever you'd call them because they're not necessarily on TV, the most original video content ever is being produced right now in the United States. We used to have somewhere around 70 to 80 shows each year. Now there's almost 550 different shows. You can never watch everything. And the hard part is figuring out where all these things are going to be. My wife is obsessed with everything Star Trek, and we're having to subscribe to something called CBS All Access so she can get the new Star Trek series called Picard after Jean-Luc Picard, if you know Star Trek Next Generation. And, uh, oh, yeah, true nerd alert for my wife. But anyway, um, you know, so that's another streaming thing we're going to have to subscribe to. But the streaming thing's taking over so much that a lot of people in the country may have Verizon as a local monopoly phone company. And you know how they and the cable monsters have all pushed these packages that you, if you subscribe to this, you need to get that and this and that and the other. And they are dropping the contracts and the packages. And they're happy now just to sell you internet. That's all you want because that's unbelievably profitable. The best estimate about what it costs um, a phone company or a cable company to actually offer you internet at your home is somewhere around $5 or so a month that they charge us upwards of 50 to 80 to to $100 a month. So it's a great business to be in selling internet for now. But that's also going to change big time is we're going to have all these satellite players offering ultra-high-speed internet We've got Google and Amazon and SpaceX all racing, and there are a couple others, racing to put low-orbit satellites up that will have ultra-high-speed internet without latency of any note that are going to be available. And you'll see those roll out steadily in um, late this year or heavily in 21. So don't sign any long-term contract with anybody for internet service, because you'll regret it later. Cars is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how you doing? 
Doing well. How are you, sir? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you? I have a question about the uh, SECURE Act that uh, took effect December of last year. Um, There was a bunch of stuff in it, but the thing that I'm eyeing is the fact that you can now pay for $10,000 in student loan payments out of an HSA, uh, or sorry, out of a 529. Yeah. That was something that people had been, that was something people had been looking for for years and years. And it was always a head scratcher why you couldn't use 529 plan money to pay for student loans. And that has now been fixed, at least in part, with this $10,000 cap. Sure. And uh, I have almost exactly $10,000 left in student loans. And uh, I've never had a 529. None of my family members have a 529 for me. And what I'm wondering is if I can just open one, pass my student loan payments through it to take advantage of that, of the, at least in Maryland, $2,500 deduction I can get a year. Uh, Are there any landmines that need to look out for that? Or is it as easy as just passing my student loans through a 529 and taking that extra step? All right. So that is a great question. And I'll tell you that states are going to scramble in their legislative sessions this year, putting in minimum holding periods on 529s because of that. Because people will be able to take advantage in most states now, and I don't know which states have a designated holding period before you're eligible for a state tax credit or deduction for contributing to 529s, but they will close that loophole pretty quickly. But if Maryland has no minimum holding period, yeah, put the money in, so if, in the 529 and then turn around and use it to pay your student loans and you'll have the Maryland tax benefit for having contributed and then you'll pay the money with, you won't have earned anything really, but you'll pay the money with the benefit of Maryland having subsidized your student loan payments. Fair enough. Thank you for your time, sir. And where in Maryland do you live? I live in Baltimore City. I was a Montgomery County kid for five years. I grew up in Howard County, just about a five-minute walk from the north of the Montgomery County line. It's a great area. Yeah, it's also really expensive to live there. Very, very expensive. Yeah. Amy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Amy. How you doing? Hi, Clark. Very good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Amy, you are looking for some serious advice about your money. Tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> well, I'm, I've been shopping for a financial advisor, and what I'm finding is that um, some of them are going to charge a percentage of your assets, and the others are charging basically a fee for their time. And it seems like the fee for your time, then you're kind of doing more of the work yourself where the percentage of your assets, they're managing it more. And I I just wasn't really sure if there was a benefit to going either way. So, all right, there's a couple of things I'd like you to think of it, of it this way. If okay. you hire somebody on an hourly basis to mm-hmm. look over what your goals are and whether you're on track for it, and maybe even to go a step beyond and recommend particular investments that Mm -hmm. you would go into, and you're just paying them a flat rate for that and you go do it, then it's a lot more like hiring an accountant to help you with uh, accounting or taxes or whatever, or hiring a lawyer where you're paying him or her for their advice or guidance. 
Um, so it's about you. If you okay. were to get a series of recommendations that made sense to you and you paid them and you were good about going to implement what had been recommended, then maybe you're a great candidate to just pay for advice and then go mm-hmm. do your own thing. If though you're someone who would intend to do it, but never get around to making those changes or doing those investments, then you might be a better candidate to pay somebody um, a percent of what you have investing to handle investment choices for you. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, that area is changing a whole lot. And I want to hit you with a couple of examples. The normal routine, if you hire somebody who's known as a fiduciary, that's Mm -hmm. somebody who has to put your interests first, last, and always. You know, Mm -hmm. they are there for you. They're not influenced by kickbacks they might be getting or anything like that. That advice historically costs you 1% of the amount of money that you're investing with that individual or that firm. Mm Mm-hmm. But that model is facing challenges now from other players. Have you ever heard of like Betterment and Wealthfront? No. Uh, These are organizations that charge much, much less than that for robotic-like advice, where they have you fill out forms about your goals and objectives and uh, about your life, and then they recommend a basket of investments to you and charge you typically a fourth of what you would have paid for traditional advice. Then Charles Schwab has something that is unique, where you pay Schwab $300 for a Schwab professional to draw up a financial plan for you. Mm -hmm. And then you pay them a flat $30 a month no matter how much money you have, for them to manage it for you, flat rate. And then the huge co-op, Vanguard, Uh has a thing where they do financial advice for you called their personal advisor service that you pay .30 of what you have. So roughly a third of what people typically pay somebody for Uh, developing a financial plan for them and handling their investments for them. So now it's not really an up or down anymore. Okay, I'm just going to pay somebody to come up with a plan for me that I go do, or I'm going to pay somebody 1%. Now you've got all these other possibilities, (laughs) and don't get overwhelmed by them, but look at what both Vanguard and Schwab offer. Look at what Betterment and Wealthfront do. You'll read what each of them do, and you may start eliminating some, and you may ultimately decide, you know what, I'm just fine with paying somebody for a plan, and I'll do everything self-serve. Or Mm -hmm. you may find I want full service, and I want an individual who I'm going to be able to pick up the phone and call, and I'll pay the 1%. Wow, that's some great information, and you've added to my... Um, homework. That's my job. (laughs) But remember this, be very aware that whoever you hire, they have to be a fiduciary. Okay. Which means they put your interests first 
because a lot of people in the industry are smiling at you while they're picking your pocket. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Daniel's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Daniel. How you doing? Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. How can I serve you, Daniel? I have a question about prepaid credit cards. What would be a good way to go with that? Or would it be better off just to open up a checking savings account and getting a card through a bank or a credit union? Well, first of all, whatever you'd have today would have to have a Green Bay Packers logo on it, right? Absolutely. From Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I talked to somebody from Wisconsin who fell asleep during the playoff game and missed the end. How well, that's you, not good. How could you do that? I mean, their Wisconsin card needs to be taken away from them, right? Absolutely. They're not dedicated. So the answer to the question is, uh, let me, several angles to it. First, if someone is eligible for USAA membership, doing an account through them would be great. Anybody who prior military had family that could make them eligible. But if somebody's not putting a lot of money into one, my favorite is the Bluebird card. Okay. You ever heard of Bluebird? Bluebird? It's from American Express? Yeah, I have heard of that. Uh, Bluebird.com is a great place to go to avoid all the normal junk banking fees. But the other thing that has given Bluebird a real run for its money are all these online banks that offer no-fee checking accounts, really pioneered heavily by Ally Bank, but now there are a bunch of them that offer no fooling, no junk fee, no gotcha fee checking accounts. So no minimum balances. So you can have an account for your walking around money, your spending money, and have a uh, no-fee debit card tied to it and you know i'm always nervous about debit cards but this is a case that it may be well somewhat okay right and i've always been nervous about the debit cards also i'd much rather use a credit card well yeah credit cards are far preferable but if you're looking for a no fee account bluebird is the simplest and it works for so many people You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.